Hello, and welcome to Mission Business, a podcast about good business for those in the business of good, presented by your part-time controller, LLC, also known as YPTC. My name is Jennifer Oliva, the host of Mission Business and managing partner at YPTC. On Mission Business, we're giving nonprofits from around the globe a platform to discuss their inventive programs and business models. On this episode of Mission Business, I spoke to Catherine Lott, Executive Director of Southern Smoke, a Houston-based nonprofit started by James Beard award-winning chef Chris Shepard in 2015. Southern Smoke has been pivoting way before we all started overusing the word pivot. First raising money for multiple sclerosis, then as a crisis relief organization after Hurricane Harvey devastated Texas, and now providing millions of dollars to out-of-work hospitality workers around the country due to COVID closures. We talked to Catherine about her journey with Southern Smoke, the challenges of scaling up quickly to meet a need, and how her nonprofit arts background informs her work at Southern Smoke. And now my conversation with Catherine Lott. Welcome to Mission Business Podcast. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jennifer, for having me. Um, Tell us the story of how Southern Smoke got started. So Southern Smoke originally really was, (laughs) the truth of it is that it was a really, really great party um, with James Beard award-winning chefs that were all smoking meat um, and the back (laughs) parking lots behind Chris's restaurants in order to bring awareness and fundraising to MS on behalf of Mm -hmm. uh, Chris's former sommelier, Antonio Giannola. Mm -hmm. And um, he had just been diagnosed and we had just lost a Mm -hmm. prominent chef in Houston uh, due to suicide when he had been diagnosed. And so we we really wanted to erase the shame from that uh, disease Mm -hmm. and um, support the the education and research. Uh, And so we ended up being the third largest uh, fundraiser um, for the MS Society within our region. Mm -hmm. And um, though when Hurricane Harvey hit, uh, we had to transform our mission um, Mm -hmm. to be even more um, industry-based. And Mm -hmm. our tagline is taking care of our own. And so uh, we made that shift at that point. So Hurricane Harvey hits in 2017. What, What happens then? Well, um, <laughs> to my surprise, um, Chris literally waded in the waters, the flood waters, mm-hmm. from his house to his restaurants to get the doors open because obviously wow. in this industry, these folks live shift to shift. It's not even paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. So he needed to open the doors. He needed to feed the first responders. He needed to feed the hungry um, community that was suffering at the time. And he needed to make sure that people were getting paid. And so uh, he flew open his doors literally the second day of the storm and was one of the very first and only restaurants open. And I think that's one of the things that we don't see a lot is that we forget that these restaurants and these workers, they right behind those first responders are always those that are feeding the hungry. And that always comes from the food and beverage Mm -hmm. industry. And so at that time, Right after he flung open his doors, he gave me the glorious phone call and said, I have to find a way, Catherine, through Southern Smoke to put money directly into the hands of people in our industry who are suffering right now. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, Chris, you know, I think that if there was a way to do that, 
that our um, Red Crosses and our United Ways and all of those folks right. would would be doing that. And he said, well, you know, we're we're going to change the landscape then and we got to figure it out. And what mm -hmm. do you say to some guy that literally just waited in floodwaters yeah, in his yeah. restaurant in the middle of a storm? Yeah. So I said, okay. And that changed the trajectory of everything. And that from that, that year we were able to um, disperse $501,000 to 139 families in Houston. Yeah. And from that, the emergency relief fund was born. And that's when we knew that that was now going to be our mission, that we were going to help food and beverage workers and their suppliers who mm -hmm. were in crisis. So yeah. any sort of crisis, we want to be there and we wanted to help. And soon after we we looked at our friends in Napa and Sonoma mm -hmm. who were on fire. And so mm -hmm. we, we wanted to turn our heads towards that. And that's how we became a national organization wow. and started funding um, nationwide. Tell us a little bit about how, how it all works. I mean... <laughs> Who do you support in the food and restaurant and I'm sorry, food and beverage mm -hmm. industry? Uh, is it everybody? Is it, you know, how, how far does it go? We support anyone in what we call the food chain. So one of Chris's things is that he recognizes that without the farmers and without the ranchers and without all of the other suppliers, he wouldn't be where he is now. And so again, that value system is absorbed within his foundation. And so we take on anyone that picks the produce or stomps the grapes or processes uh, the food and beverage from its place of origin all the way until it gets to the restaurant, um, either front of house or back of house, mm -hmm. uh, serving those consumers inside the restaurants and bars. Uh, so, so it's a large group of people, especially when you're talking about on a national scale. Bravo. I mean, that is terrific. So uh, what kind of expenses do your mm. grants cover? So we cover any type of crisis, um, whether it's mental health needs, uh, medical needs, um, rent and mortgage, loss of wages. Um, right now, we're, we're really hoping that we can make a dent um, in our farming community for mm -hmm. Yuri's winter storm. Mm -hmm. We treat mm -hmm. each and every human being as an individual. And um, so as their applications come in, we're not a first come first serve organization because mm -hmm. we were a crisis relief organization prior to the pandemic. Right. And right. a lot of people find that uh, <laughs> absurd that <laughs> we wouldn't change our operating methods, but yeah. Again, we, we really have found success in it. So the way that it works is if somebody applies online, immediately a screener will receive that application and they will code it. So okay. if you're in a life and death situation, that's a code red. So what we mean by that is if you're sleeping in your car with your children and you're in yeah. Chicago during a, a blizzard, that's life and death. And yeah. so I don't want to give the illusion that somebody has to be bleeding out on the street in order to have a life and death situation, which we call code red. Um, right. But what that means for us is we drop everything mm -hmm. and we wire over money right then and there. We never lose part of the process. We have to call our committee. We have to call everybody in case management and verify employment and have all of those things. And as soon as we have that, boom, that person has that money. So the, that's how we respond to urgency. We have literally given up to $100,000 within 12 hours because wow. 
that's how well oiled we are. And that was prior to the pandemic. And then there's code orange, which is anyone of a vulnerable population that is either experiencing homelessness or on the brink of homelessness. Uh-huh. And then code yellow, uh, general population on the brink of homelessness or experiencing homelessness. And then you get into utilities and cars and, and loss of wages and all of that. And, and that's when you really have to encapsulate somebody into the whole person picture because uh-huh. For instance, if I don't have heat here in Houston, Texas, um, mm-hmm. during February, I, I mean, I'm probably just leaving my doors open anyway mm-hmm. because the weather's, mm-hmm. that's my only month for really nice weather. Right. But, but if I am in Detroit, you know, if I if I am somewhere where that is um, uh, a deadly something, then we have yeah. to respond accordingly. So um, then the next thing that I'm really proud of, I said one of two things I'm really proud mm-hmm. of, and the second thing is that we don't put a cap on our gifts. Um, so a lot of folks operate super efficiently and we're so happy that they're on the ground um, because sometimes they can respond faster uh, mm-hmm. to the to the non-life and death cases. Mm-hmm. And they'll just distribute, you know, $200 to the first 500 people that apply or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. But we don't put a cap on the gifts. And so mm-hmm. we um, are able to... As I said, we've been able to give gifts up to $100,000. Um, yeah. Last month, we gave $43,000 to a gentleman who um, had a, a brain deteriorating disease mm-hmm. uh, who couldn't get a hospital bed during COVID. And by the time that uh, somebody found him, um, mm-hmm. it was it was irreversible, but he, he is now going to have a quality of life rather than yeah. spending his last days in hospice. He will now yeah. be able to actually yeah. have hope of having um a real quality life on his own and so it's tremendous what that amount of money will will bring to folks that are in need i mean you guys are doing such incredibly important work uh for a vulnerable population especially during the pandemic uh where i don't know it was like seven million people lost their jobs in the food and beverage industry uh -hmm. maybe i have that number right or wrong i'm not sure but it's it's estimated at eight right now eight eight million okay Mm -hmm. eight million people uh and and you are making the difference that you can make uh, across the nation. And that is amazing. How do you do it so nimbly uh, where you say, you know, we approved a hundred thousand dollars in 12 hours. And, you know, we work with a lot of foundations that would like to know your secrets. (laughs) How does it happen so quickly? Um, Again, that's, that's absorbing Chris's value system. Uh, We, we keep it very simple. Um, mm-hmm. We minimize red tape very intentionally. Um, we have the most stellar machine, at least in my personal opinion. I totally know mm-hmm. that I'm biased, and I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> but so, so once once you've been coded, then you're assigned a case manager. The case manager works with you to get all of your documentation. Once you have all of your documentation in place, we verify your employment. We verify your documentation. Then we redact all of the applications, any sort of identifying character traits that mm-hmm. would allow any of us to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And then it is sent up to the director of case management. Then it's sent up to myself. Then I make my recommendations to an award. Wow. committee who anonymously vote then based on all of the documents and all of uh, the case that has been presented to them. And then it is turned around very, very quickly to the tune that 
We send out votes every single weekday, and we send out ACHs for our grant recipients <laughs> every single weekday. And we did that throughout the entire pandemic. We were down wow. for two days during the freeze. And that is the only, well, we actually still sent out ACHs during that time, but we didn't wow. send votes during that time because we couldn't get Wi-Fi. But, um, but it was that pretty, is, it was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. That is a well-oiled machine. Thanks. Your part-time controller, the nonprofit accounting specialist, helps nonprofits everywhere navigate the new landscape by supporting them with their U.S.-based remote services accounting staff. With over 700 nonprofit clients from coast to coast, YPTC assists with all your financial management needs. From bookkeeping and monthly financial statements to forecasting, budgeting, and customized dashboards. We help executive directors and board members sleep at night. More at YPTC.com. Well, I actually wanted to ask you one more question about mission, mm -hmm. and that is your mental health services in Houston. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is just amazing uh, support service uh, that you provide. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so that was, whew, that was hard. Um, that was a tough one. So it actually came about the year that Anthony Bourdain passed, 2018. And um, and we said, you know, what what is Southern Smoke's role here? What mm -hmm. can we do? Uh, what would matter? And they, we finally walked away after a very healthy conversation and a very passionate one um, with a couple of items. And the strongest one that we felt was that we should start a hotline for folks mm -hmm. in mental health crisis, specifically for the folks in the food and beverage industry. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they they wanted this they wanted this hotline to work like someone was talking to them that that knew them that knew their their life that knew their routine that they didn't have to chris always says you know i love my mom so much and she might be comforting mm -hmm. to me but if i'm on the ledge that's not who i want to talk to yeah. i want to talk mm -hmm. to my peers and my colleagues mm -hmm. and so we get on this path and i i contact all of these partners and and all about it we we're partnering with Mental Health America of Greater Houston, and mm -hmm. uh, we sort of put things on the back burner when the pandemic first hit, and then we were like, oh, no, yeah. this isn't the back burner. This is the front yeah. burner. Absolutely. And so they were able to reach out to the University of Houston psych department, and their mm -hmm. students needed the hours to get through the PhD program. And we, of course, had people that desperately needed uh, mental health support and um they were able to not only help the people in this whole state of texas uh who are in the food and beverage industry but also their children mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's been wildly successful we did a recent survey and man people don't want to leave the program they That's have had amazing. a huge experience some of them have gone off to find other therapists um yeah. but they have really valued this mental health experience and they are, I think that we've removed a stigma too, which is really cool. And so we are looking to um, have a couple of other models, test them out, see uh, what works right here at home before we then expand it. Um, but we do hope to do this nationwide and replicate that program. That, that is amazing. And you're funded mainly by University of Houston supporting the program with their students. It doesn't cost anything. It's it amazing. Nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah. They want cool. us, they have, they have the laptops. It's all screen to screen. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, you know, we're just doing the referral program and, you know, we pay our people, but that's, that's part of our infrastructure. You know, they say ideas are a dime a dozen, but you guys come up with the ideas but then execution is really where it counts. And it sounds like you are very good at that. Thank you. I think it really comes from the value of the founder and then the executive director, and then it just trickles down to everyone. If you're riding those values all the way through, then the work will show it. That's wonderful. I want to talk a little bit about the business of uh, Southern Smoke, starting with... um, Uh, public relations and fundraising. You guys seem to be wizards at that. Uh, For example, uh, you have a partnership with Food and Wine Magazine. Um, How does that work and how did that partnership come about? Well, in addition to <laughs> in addition to Chris Shepard, we have another co-founder. Her oh. name is Lindsay Brown, and that is now Chris's wife. And um she is the best thing that could ever happen to us, honestly. She um she is a guru in PR. And so uh she had those very reliable, um, trusted uh connections prior to this. Chris Shepard was also a food and wine best new chef. Um mm-hmm. he has uh really good deep ties with them. And when they saw what we were doing and they saw that we were surviving it um, Mm -hmm. and actually increasing our our support to the community, um, they knew that they wanted to throw their their support behind it. And so um, very cool. In fact, um, again, has not been announced yet, but uh, Southern Smoke will now be the one of the two beneficiaries of Aspen Food and Wine. And so that is probably the coolest thing to come out. So that partnership then parlayed into another partnership that parlayed into another partnership. And all of it's just really been overwhelming and incredible. Um, Of course, I'm sure that you saw David Chang um, on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yes. (laughs) But but again, you know, how all of that works, you know, who, who knew that... We were going to have the first celebrity to win a million dollars on who wants to be a millionaire. We can't take credit for that. That's, that's all David Chang. But then he goes on the view and then he goes on, um, all of the morning shows and, and Jimmy Kimmel and, and all of a sudden people are talking about Southern smoke and who's Southern smoke. And then that parlays into other celebrities saying, wait a second, this is the coolest thing ever. And then they start endorsing us and, you know, uh, promoting us on various pages and various um, creative ways of doing third-party fundraising on our behalf. So what are some of the process challenges that you have had to make all this happen, let's say pre, during, and post-pandemic? I I, I always equate it to a storm, probably because prior (laughs) to the pandemic, most of our uh, work was done in uh, response to natural disasters. So we think of mm-hmm. ourselves as like that ship that can come in. Um, yeah. But as we were going into this storm, you know, and the numbers were increasing in one day, we got 25,000 applications. I mean, it was, wow. it was just, you know, the waves were coming mm-hmm. and these yeah. beautiful people were coming on board with me. And like I said, I wasn't going to deter from our practice. And though I didn't have, um, the infrastructure. And so every single day I was committed to sending out those 
those grant amounts via ACH to get money into their accounts quickly, um, because that's key during crisis is quickly and safely. And um, PayPal was shutting down and Chase Bank, I would spend all day, all day, eight hours a day on hold with Chase Bank only to be hung up on after eight hours, after three hours, after four oh hours. And this is why so many of these organizations just weren't able to make it. I mean, especially the ones that had the best intentions that were popping up for the first time. You know, I mean, it was just that there was just no financial infrastructure that we knew how to lean on. And so every day, my now operations manager and I, we would just literally spend hours going through double checking every routing number, every spelling of every name, every account number, and then, you know, pressing, uh, pressing that send button because once it's gone, it's gone. Um, yeah. and honestly, that's when I called you guys. That's when I called the part-time <laughs> controller. And I, I looked around for a while, uh, for a recommendation. And I figured there would be so many people out of work that it wouldn't be hard to find someone, but actually, mm -hmm. of course, everybody needs their financial officers um, during a major crisis. And so um, it was very highly recommended to me that, that we look into you guys, and it was a godsend across the board. I didn't just have one person come in and help me with heavy lifting. I had a whole team just take it off my plate, and that was magnificent. It, sa it, saved, it saved us hands down. It saved us. We could never have done what we've wow. done. We never could have gone through the pandemic. We never could have helped all of these people and been as successful as we are. At the end of the day, we're a financial institution. It is all about getting that money from our pockets, from, from somebody else's pocket into our pockets, yes. out to yeah. somebody else's pocket. So yeah. um, with, oh without that ability, we would have crashed and burned also. So, so really, I mean, thank you and hats off to, oh, to everything wow. that you guys have done. Well, Catherine, I mean, I have goosebumps. I mean, that, that is, the, that is so great to hear. And I just, um, it is very much the honest truth. That is, that is noble. We've had nothing. We, we, we had Chase Bank. That's what we had. We didn't even have PayPal. We didn't have anything. Uh, we had some, some weird event ticketing something or other that could take donations uh -huh. if somebody really wanted to give them to us. Um, right. so that's, that's how, uh, oh, sparse we were. And okay. so, once we got everything into place, then we were able to establish a platform and Ade from your team has been the one uh -huh. uh, really helping lead this effort. Um, it's called Kindful. Um, it's uh -huh. nothing too, too sophisticated. But oh, first he got us on QuickBooks, first of all, which talks to PayPal, which is amazing. Yeah. And right. now QuickBooks and PayPal are talking to Kindful and everything's been uploaded and we just finished our own onboarding uh, to that platform. And so we're about to go live with that system. Um, and so it's incredible. I mean, I can even use Diane's reports. Diane is our other uh, team lead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, she's yeah. amazing. Um, and she's a very calming force, which is always nice. <laughs> um, she is able to not only walk me through all of our finances and projections, um, because we have a lot of times we'll have over a hundred thousand dollars go out the door in a day. And that's like yes. five days a week. And when yeah, you're talking about scary. that much money, like, oh, that's money. scary. That's yeah. it. And and yeah. I can rely on Diane saying, Hey, so we've got plenty of money over here in Chicago, but if, if we're doing this in, um, I, let's say the Gulf coast fund, you need to yeah. know where we are there. And yeah. we're able to get yeah. on the phone weekly and, 
I have those checks and balances and I have that peace yeah. of mind so that every day when I'm granting these amounts of monies, I know where we stand. And if we don't, if we don't have quite enough, I know also where to look and yeah. I know how to speak to the donors in a very real way. And that's been such a huge blessing. And she's also able to help me with my financial projections. You know, we're living in the land of unknown. And sorry that I'm just going off about how That's awesome okay. Diane is. But, <laughs> but really, I mean, it's, it's important to say that yeah, nobody that. knows mm -hmm. what is going to happen no. in this fiscal year um, mm -hmm. or annual year, whatever, if that's not the same for you. Um, mm -hmm. Nobody knows how to responsibly plan and uh Diane and Ade and I got together and we, we came up with a very responsible plan. And mm -hmm. yes, it seems like tremendous growth and it is tremendous growth. We go from one employee at the beginning of 2020 to now 11 full-time employees and eight full-time contractors. However, we are still so conservative and Diane mm -hmm. actually is a little nervous about how conservative we are. She's <laughs> open with me and she lets me know, you've got some operating money that, that we need to look mm -hmm. at here. Um, but I'm at 6% on my overhead mm -hmm. and from my yeah. entire budget. So, you know, I mean, to come out of this in such a healthy, well-rounded yeah. way and be able to, to say that to the folks that have supported us that yes, you know, don't get scared by this growth that you're seeing. Your money really went to exactly where you intended it to go. And mm -hmm. that's, that's just sort of the, one of the million things that they have brought to the table for us. That's amazing. I just want to thank you for being um, so humble and honest oh, about the struggle of uh, financial <laughs> management of a growing, you know, organization uh, that really just um, it, it's so important for other executive directors and other nonprofit leaders to hear uh, other stories about the struggle. Yeah. Uh, it, that is real in the financial management world. And then once you get that settled, the comfort and um, breaths you can take uh, yeah. going into the next year, uh, all settled and ready to go and planning even further than that is uh, really, I know it's uh, just incredibly valuable to you. And uh, I can see the calmness on your face when you're talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm a very different person today than I was a year ago. That was my conversation with Katherine Lott of the Houston area nonprofit, Southern Smoke. To learn more about the amazing work Southern Smoke is doing for hospitality workers in Houston and around the country, visit southernsmoke.org. Up next in our Ask the Controller segment, YPTC's own Geraldine Dressler talks to Southern Smoke's YPTC team members, Ade Odenai and Diane Hewlett about the tips and practices they implement to help a rapidly growing nonprofit succeed. Hello, Ade and Diane. Thank you so much for being here. So let's jump into it. There was a theme in what we heard Catherine speak about, the keys to Southern Smoke's success. And she said, they keep it simple. So capitalizing on that theme, let's start with you, Ade. You've been instrumental at the platform and the transaction level. What's an example of something that you have done or implemented to help Southern Smoke be incredibly timely and nimble with its aid to recipients, but also keep it simple? Hi, Geraldine. Thank you. Um, Southern Smoke provide financial support to people in the food and beverage industry. And these daily payments are made by ACH to the individual's accounts. 
So before we started working with Catherine, her and the team would manually make these individual payments. And this daily operational task would take Catherine and her team between three to four hours to complete. So what we did was to customize an Excel template to make all the payments in a single upload file. And all Catherine has to do now is click on the button and approve the file. So this daily operational task now takes less than 15 minutes instead of three to four hours. This simple but effective process change has allowed Catherine to spend less time on operational tasks and more time on the strategic objectives of the organization. That's great. That's a huge shift. Thanks for that. All right, Diane, you have been instrumental at the financial statement level. And per Catherine, she called you a calming force to help keep her informed with the knowledge that she needs to make decisions. So what's an example of an analysis or a report that you provide to Catherine that is informative yet still manages to keep it simple? Hi, Geraldine. Uh, that would definitely be the rolling cash forecast. Uh, Catherine loves that report and that's instrumental uh, for the organization. Uh, because their uh, organization is so cash intensive and their mission is to distribute cash awards to food and beverage workers who need assistance, it's really critical that we know at all times what cash they have available and that we can project out uh, for approximately a year what they will have available each month and then see what changes uh, either in donations revenue or in other expenses um, we expect to ha have and how that will affect the cash balance and what they can distribute. Excellent. That's huge. All right. Ade, what aspect of Southern Smoke's processes or operations strike you as key to their success? Okay. Catherine and the team have this amazing ability to form sustainable partnerships with corporations and individuals who provide a recurring donation to the organization and we also raise significant amount of funds for Southern Smoke's mission through various activities. So what this has done is allowed Southern Smoke to continue to provide substantial um, substantial funds to individuals around the country during this pan pandemic crisis. And going forward, these strong partnerships should put Southern Smoke in a really good position to continue to provide financial support to individuals beyond the pandemic. Excellent. Yeah. Partnerships, relationships. It's really the name of the game, right? Yeah. True. All right. Um, Diane, what is Southern Smoke doing now that will position them well to meet their mission in the future and that perhaps other nonprofits can do as well? I've just been amazed by how flexible Southern Smoke is and how they uh, take on new opportunities. And I think this has been the key to their success this past year and will be, continue to be the key to their success. Um, they're always looking for new ways to do things, for instance, with their special events when they couldn't hold events in, in person. They've looked for a variety of ways to hold the events. And then when they find out that something's not going to work, they're quick to let go of that and move on to something else. And I'm sure this will be the key to their success in the future. All right. For both of you, what are you most proud of helping Southern Smoke with? And Ade, we can start with you. Okay, thank you. When we joined... Um, or got some smoke, they didn't have their own employee benefits program. So what we did was we worked closely with Catherine to research, select, and implement a employee benefits package that included matching 401k, 
um, medical plan, vision plan, and dental plan. And having its own benefits program has enabled Southern Smoke to take greater control of its plan and to make sure those plans are better suited for its employees. The employee benefit program is just one of many ways that Catherine demonstrates her commitment to the welfare of her employees. That's wonderful and definitely a, a model to the restaurant industry at large, right? Yeah. All right. Diane, how about you? I'm really proud of the relationship that we've built with Catherine and Southern Smoke and the trust that she has in us. Um, she can focus on other areas of the business and she knows that with the procedures and the reporting that Audie and I have put in place that um, we're taking care of the financial area. And then our, on our weekly calls with her, we can address any areas of concern or questions that she has. She uh, values our opinions and will let us know what decisions or opportunities are coming up and, and lets us provide recommendations or um, let her know if we think other expertise is needed in, in those decisions. And um, she's, she's great to work with. She's fun. She values our opinion and lets us know that she really appreciates us. So uh, we love working with her. That's awesome. Uh, congratulations to you both. It sounds like you've been uh, having, you had a huge impact on Southern Smoke and, you know, helping them to get where they are. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on Ask the Controller today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sherwood. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mission Business Podcast. We look forward to bringing you more stories of innovation and perseverance from nonprofits around the world. I want to thank the team from PWP Video for their guidance and assistance in the development and production of this podcast. They are a great partner for Media with a Mission, and you can find them at pwpvideo.com. Additional information about this episode can be found at missionbusinesspod.com. And follow us on social media at Mission Business Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I want to thank our guests for this episode, Catherine Lott of Southern Smoke and YPTC team members Ade Odenai and Diane Hewlett. This podcast was produced by Erica Blair and Geraldine Dressler of Your Part-Time Controller, LLC. Our producers from PWP Video are Dave Winston and Michael Schweisheimer. And the show was directed and edited by Pat Ganley. Again, I'm Jennifer Oliva, and we'll see you here next time on Mission Business, presented by your part-time controller, LLC.